0: about And just what to share. I mean, I've known for a while um, the pastor was going to be gone, and I was going to preach today. Um, but it was when we were back in Montana, getting our girls. We you know, when we came back from Thailand, we had to go get our girls from grandparents in Montana, um, and we went to church up there in Luster with Rhonda's family, and they had a a video series for their Sunday school class, and the speaker was talking about the fear of God. And how that's um, linked with obedience, um, especially a lot like obedience to God's commandments in the Old Testament, um, and it's just really got me thinking these last couple weeks well like for one that that's not how my brain thinks I guess that's not the first thing that comes to my mind when I think of the fear of God like that's somehow that's linked to my obedience to God's um, commandments in my life um, and so I've just really been struggling through that and thinking through that. Um, and um, as I was reading, just in my own um, time in the morning, um, I kind of came across the passage we're going to be studying today in Isaiah 6, and it was just kind of like God had given me. Is like after after I read it a couple days later, as I was thinking about you know this the fear of God, things like that, and it was almost like God just like He said that you just read an example of what that looks like in Isaiah 6. So that's where we're going to be we're going to be at today. Um, but just before we go there. I think maybe if you're like me, um, I think most people would probably come up with the first, these two verses when you think about the fear of God, um, and I, I won't ask you because then I'll be proven wrong, um, but the first one, right, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right, usually, that's probably one of the first ones that pops into your head if you're thinking about what is the fear of God or what does the Bible have to say about that, right, right at the beginning of Proverbs, Proverbs 1, 7, and then it's just, you see it throughout, throughout the book of Proverbs, um, so that's, that's one of the things we think about. And the second verse that popped into my head and probably would pop into a lot of people's head is um, in Ecclesiastes, verse 12, the end of the matter, all has been heard, fear God and keep his commandments, right? For this is the whole duty of man. Um, maybe some other ones popped into your head, um, some different ones. But those are, those are kind of the first ones that I, that I thought about when I'm thinking about what does the Bible have to say about the fear of God. And like I said, when I, when I heard this, this guy talk um, a couple of weeks ago, you know, when I think of fear, um, I, think, I think the most, probably the image that comes to most of our heads is maybe the image of a child in trouble with their parents, right, because they did something wrong and they're afraid, they're fearful of the consequences, right? And uh, that reminded me of, I just told this story to my girls, um, the other night they asked me to tell stories when i was a kid and it's, so some of these things kind of come up but it, it reminded me of a story my brother and i my brother's four years older than me we were home alone um i don't know how old i was but i'm guessing he had to be maybe early teenager for it, my parents to just you know be okay with leaving us at home by ourselves um, but for whatever reason i don't even remember what i did but he was mad at me um you know, I was the last child, so I was probably innocent, but, um, but he, he ended up chasing me through the house, um, and thankfully, I got to the, the sanctuary of my bedroom, and I was able to close the door before he caught me, and I still remember it very vividly, because um, I put my back on the door, and I'll kind of demonstrate here, I was able to go like this with my back on the door, and it worked out perfectly that the wall of the closet was right there at the end of my feet. And so I had made an impenetrable fortress. Um, There there was no way he was getting through that door. Um, But then he decided to take that anger and aggression out on my door with his foot. Um, And that put a hole in the door. (laughs) And if you, I mean, if you have, um, I don't know if you've ever experienced something like that when you were younger, but the fear of our parents was immediate. (laughs) And it didn't matter that we tried to cover the hole with a poster Um, You know, it's pretty obvious. We we decided after we tried that that we're not going to be able to hide that. Um, And even though, um, you know, it wasn't me who did it, there was still that fear of judgment, right? What's going to happen? And I think that's um, the fear that I think a lot of us think of when we think of fear is that's the image that comes to our mind usually. And so then I'm thinking, well, how does that relate to obeying God and obeying God's commandments? Um, and I think that we we do have that fear. I think that that's an initial thing that we have when we think of the fear of God. Like when you realize that God is is perfect, and you see some of the stories in the in the Bible on how He chooses to judge um, sin and mankind for their rebellion against Him. And, you know, there is a a little bit of that kind of fear, um, but I think it's it's more than just that. And so that's kind of what we're gonna look at um, today and and, you know that's a that's a good it's in some respects that's a good fear um, that kind of fear of judgment Um, but I think if you've been a Christian for any point in time or any length of time I think you will know and probably agree with me but that fear of judgment isn't enough to keep us from sin on a regular basis right I mean because there's times where we still know this is wrong Um, And I shouldn't be doing this, and I know what God thinks about this, but that fear isn't enough to keep us from doing what we know we're not supposed to do, for disobeying God. So how does the fear then relate to obeying his commandments? And and sometimes that's enough. Sometimes the fear of judgment is enough to keep us from disobeying him. Um, But is there another level, is there another aspect to that fear? Um, and I think if you if you just live in that type of fear of God, that fear of judgment, I think your view of who God is, um, you don't fully understand who God is and what He's done, um, because we know, um, you know. And then how does that compute with uh, the verse in the um, in the New Testament? I think it's in 1 John where it talks about perfect love casts out fear. What is that? How do how do those two compute? How does that? Um, makes sense. So I said, as I was thinking about this, I was reading in Isaiah, um, and I read chapter six, and what's usually called the the call of Isaiah, and his call to ministry, Um, and then a few days later, it was almost, you know, like God just, like, he just said, well, you just read an example of what that looks like, because I'd been thinking, how does this work? What does this look like? You know, in my practical, analytical, you know, practical brain. How does this work? And and it's almost like God, you just read an example. So let's look at Isaiah chapter 6 and a little bit about maybe another aspect of how the fear of God can lead to um, our obedience and how that relates to us choosing to obey God. So Isaiah chapter 6, we're just going to look at um, the first eight verses. And I'm going to read a little bit. We're just going to read a little bit and then talk about it. But as you as we go, before we get to chapter 6, we see that um, God has been, um, the first five verse, chapters of Isaiah is God's judgment on um, Judah and Jerusalem. And he, he's, he said he's basically, he's come to the point where he's, he, has to choose, he has to bring them to, in, in judgment, basically. He has to bring somebody in um, to, to take them out of their country, to oppress them because of their disobedience. Um, and so we come to that, God has come to that decision, and then we see in Isaiah, you know, kind of that, that fear of judgment hasn't been enough. Israel knew that if they, did, if they disobeyed God, they didn't do what he asked them to do. They knew what the consequences were. He laid it out clear, um, but it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough to keep them. Um, and we come to chapter six with Isaiah, and then it says in verse one, it says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And the first thing we see in these first four verses is that Isaiah, well, we were a different. God gives Isaiah a glimpse of the magnificence, the holiness, the greatness, the grandeur of who he is. Isaiah gets a picture. He gets a glimpse. And it's God who gives it to him. That's, I just, that, that thought just hit me this morning. It's the mercy of God. To, so it all starts with the mercy of God. He, he's, he's the one that gives Isaiah the vision. If it wasn't for God, Isaiah wouldn't know this. And we see that the, in this, this glimpse that Isaiah gets in this vision, he sees a king on a throne, right? So these are some of the, the, the pictures that God is using to describe how great and how magnificent he is, right? He is a king on a throne and it's not an earthly throne, right? It's a heavenly throne, meaning he is ruling over the world, not just a, a piece of land on the earth like an earthly king. He is a king on a throne in heaven. And he's high and lifted up showing that he is divine. He is, he's not just a normal king. He's, he's God. He is the God of the universe, um, and he is grand. I mean, it says, in this verse, it says, the hem of his robe filled the temple. And he, um, if you think of the temple in Jerusalem, it's probably the picture that Isaiah had, and just that, that spot on the bottom of his robe is enough to fill the temple, right? And we, there's other times, I think in later in Isaiah, it talks about um, the earth is just God's footstool, Right? So, I mean, if you think of that, if he, there's God on his throne and our earth is, is just that big to him. That's how great and how grand he is. It's just, it's a, he's immense. It's amazing how, how big he is, how great he is, how grand he is. Um, and then we see in verses 2 and 3 that he is served and worshipped by these beings that we can't even begin to fathom. Above him stood the seraphim, Each had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And the one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. So these majestic creatures themselves in heaven, covering their eyes because they can't look on the holiness of God, um, are serving God, are worshiping God. Um, and it's kind of, as now that we've been in Thailand, the, the thing about covering their feet stuck out to me, because when we were there, in their culture, and in a lot of cultures, that is the, uh, the most unholy place of your body, and so we weren't supposed to, you're not supposed to, you know, use your feet to point, you're not supposed to point the bottom of your feet at people, um, because it's, it's a, a disgrace, or it's a shameful thing to do. Um, so they're covered, They alone, even though they are up there with God all the time, they are still in a position of humility because God is so great, um, and they have a cry of anticipation of God's glory, His presence filling the earth. Right, the whole earth is full of His glory. So it's it's an anticipation that's partially fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Um, right? John 1.14 says The word became flesh and dwelt among us We have seen his glory The glory as the only son from the father Full of grace and truth So the glory of God is seen in Jesus Christ And then I think we see in Revelation That God's glory Eventually does fill the whole earth his, With his presence um, And it, yeah, I, I came across Revelation 21.23 It says The city has no need of sun or moon To shine on it for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the lamb. Um, so th- this is their praise of who God is and who, what he is eventually going to do. And you, I mean, you just see that God, Isaiah is given this picture, and it continues in verse 4. And the foundation of the thres- thresholds shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. I um, mean, I've never been through an earthquake, so I don't know what that's like. But I mean, if you were to try to picture this scene that Isaiah sees, I mean, it's just, it's immense. It's, it probably is even hard to take it all in as from a sensory perspective, um, seeing all of this. The ground is shaking. You see these creatures that you've never seen anywhere on earth. Um, and he gets this glimpse of who God is. And it's really, it's just a glimpse. It's just a part of who God is, and it's it's an incomplete picture because God cannot be described with our human words and human picture. Um, and so, as I was thinking about that Isaiah and the the mercy of God to give him a glimpse of who God is, um, I was thinking, how do we then take that and apply that to our situation today? And because most of us don't get visions like this on a day-to-day basis, on a regular basis. Um, but are we putting ourselves in a position for God to give us a glimpse of who he is? Um, are, we, are we, you know, it says in the Psalms, be still and know that I am God. Are we doing some of those things? Are we getting into his word? Um, are, we, are we serving with the gifts that he's given us? Because if you're not serving God, um, then you're probably not getting a very complete glimpse of who God is. And he's not, I mean, he's not going to be working very much in your life because you're not doing what he's asked you to do. You're not obeying him. Um, so are you doing some of those things? Are, I mean, are you getting out, I mean, and experiencing sometimes in nature, you get that, right? I remember going to the Grand Canyon um, with my parents when I was a teenager and you get kind of small parts of it as you're driving up, but then you get out of the vehicle and you walk to that edge and it's, it's even though there probably isn't any wind, it's almost like it takes your breath away. I mean, it's, it is so big. If you've never been there, you, you cannot describe how big it is. And then you go and you read how far it is apart and how deep it actually is and all these statistics. And it's like, I mean, this is big. And then you think of, the thing, what, what did Isaiah see? Like, that blows it out of the water, what we, what we see here. Um, so he got a glimpse of God. Isaiah got that glimpse of God. And we see his response is one of fear in verses, um, in verse 5. And it says, and and I said, Isaiah, he said, I said, woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. He's like, I'm done. Woe is me, that's like a funeral cry, like He's basically thinking there is no way I'm going to live through this. Like, after what I've just seen, I'm done. Um, and and you see, really, his response is one of repentance. He sees that, and he's afraid. I mean, if if you're if you're thinking you're done, like your life's over, that's fear. If you didn't know, and he he goes immediately to like, then this is why I I can't be here. I'm not. I'm not prepared to be in God's presence right now because of my, the unclean lips, because of my sin and because of the people around me. Like, I'm not ready for this. I was not prepared to be in God's presence. Um, and I think that's interesting. Um, the ESV translates it, for I am lost, um, but a better translation might be I am one, like one silenced. It's almost the same way. His, his breath was just taken away. It's like, I, even though the, the, the seraphim are worshiping, and he's probably thinking, that's what I should be doing. Like, I should be doing what they're doing, but I can't. Like, that's, that's, that's his response to the image and the glimpse that he got of God. Um, and so, as you, as you get a glimpse of who God is, and it comes in different ways through his word, um, through circumstances in your life, uh, maybe God chooses to work. Uh, what is your response? Um, is it just is it Is it one of repentance? like i don't deserve that God, one of humility like why would you do that for me? Why would you do that? Why would you do such a great thing? Um, is your response one of humility and repentance, or is it one of just like I mean I don't know it's pride i guess is the opposite that it would be we see that a lot um i mean what did what did god do for the israelites the ten plagues pulls them out of egypt wipes out pharaoh's army how long did it take for them to go back to instead of being humble with god's seeing a glimpse of god to in a sense taking it for granted and being just like what are you going to do now what's next um, and as i was thinking about that response um what, how, so what's the difference between? I wonder what's the difference between Isaiah's response. What was me? You know, I don't deserve to be here because of who I am. And then I thought of who else got a glimpse of God. Well, Moses got a glimpse of God, and his response is a little bit different. It's not like one of pride, but he's like, like not, not me. And we'll talk about the response to his command a little bit later. Or um, Samuel. Samuel had to be coached a little bit, like, no, this is not me, this is the voice of God. But then Samuel is like, here I am, like, what am I supposed to do? Um, and f- for some reason, Isaiah's response is a little bit different. It's um, one of repentance. And really, we see um, the story of the gospel here in these verses as well. So his response is one of repentance and humility because of the fear. The fear brings that. That's the right response, at least. It should bring that. It should bring that kind of response. Um, And then in verse 6, the amazing thing, back to the mercy of God, is that God provides salvation. God provides atonement. It says in verse 6, One of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my lips and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. That was the only way he could be in the presence of God, is for him to have his sin taken, atoned for, his guilt taken away. Um, And so we see God providing salvation, in a sense, a picture of salvation for Isaiah, because his response was right. His response was really one of repentance and faith to to who he saw who God was, the fear of God. Um, And so God provides that next step of salvation. In um, 1 John four ten it says, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, the atonement. And basically, it's the same word there in those two verses, um, that God has provided salvation. And it's an expression of God's love and forgiveness, not because Isaiah deserves anything, but just because that's who God is. Um, so God is... God is a God to be feared, but then he is also a God of love and and how do these things work together and so as I, I was thinking about it I think I think the fear in a sense is it should if you' if our response is right to the fear of God and who God is it should lead to that position of humility and repentance um, and then it should lead to the next part in verse eight um, it should lead to that Obe- obedience willing obedience because the next verse in verse 8 and I heard the voice of the Lord saying whom shall I send and who will go for us God's saying who can I send to these people to tell them that uh, my decision that destruction is coming um, and, and some of the other things in Isaiah that we read who's going to do my command and be my voice and then I said here I am send me right almost like the picture i get is that that kid who wants to be picked for the the baseball team in the 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 park or the basketball team or whatever like pick me pick me like here i am like i mean it's it's his it's almost like an immediate response and why why that why how did isaiah get to that point from woe is me to here i am and i think it's just out of god's out of love and obedience i mean it's just like because God provided the salvation. So the fear provides us an opportunity to respond. God, I mean, it's like you get a glimpse of God and what's your response gonna be? Is it gonna be like, man, I, I should not be here. <laughs> I don't deserve this. God is so great. He's so holy. He's so perfect. He's so immense. Like, why does he, why does he even care about me? Why does he concern about me on my little spot of earth um, on this you know in my life like i i don't deserve any of this and if if that's our response of repentance humility um, then i think it's like when you get to that point where god says go do this it's like of course if if that's what you've done for me you've done all of that for me you've provided salvation You've you've provided a way for me to be made right with you. When he says go, when he says jump, we should be saying how high, right? I mean, it's just like, because of what he's done for us. It's not the fear of punishment or the fear of judgment, um, but the fear of God provides us, it gets us in the right place where we should be willing to say, I'm ready to go. I want to go. Like, because of what you've done for me, out of thankfulness, out of, you know, just... Pure joy that i all that God has done for me, and I don't think this is the only way like the only aspect of the fear of God um, that leads to our obedience and how that works. Um, I think it's, it's just what I've seen and what God has shown me. I think through Isaiah chapter 6 and just in my last two weeks of looking through this. Um, so, I think there is a fear of judgment, and I think that's it's not bad. I mean, that's where some people are at. I mean, it's like, if that's where you're at, that's where you're at. But if, if you stay there, um, I don't think you quite get a full understanding of who God is. And you're not really obeying out of, out of love, um, where that perfect love is casting out fear. Because as, as God's children, we, really sh- we don't have to fear the day we stand before Christ and we stand before God anymore. Because Christ has paid that. He's, he's taken all that penalty. He's taken all that punishment. Um, but we should, and I think what we don't get very much in our culture is the fact that, like, God is, he should be feared. He's that, he's that big. He's that great. Like, he's not all, like, bunnies and, you know, like, cute things. Like, I think that our culture wants to make things out to be. Like, oh, it's just, you know, it's not too big of a deal. Like, he's, he should be feared because of who he is. That's how great he is. If, if we really got a glimpse like Isaiah, I'm pretty sure we'd be afraid. And because of what he's done for us then, it's like, of course, please send me. And I think that's a little bit of um, what I've seen, what I've been learning of how the fear of God um, relates to our obedience to him. Because you see it throughout scripture. It's, there's always, it seems there's a link quite often. So, then how does this work out maybe as you go throughout this week, right? I mean, maybe you've got a job, you've got kids, whatever it is. Um, How does this translate into everyday life? Um, Well, I think maybe the first thing I could think of is maybe you are living in sin and you need that fear of judgment. Like maybe today, like you've got a glimpse of God and how holy and awesome and righteous he is. And you're like Isaiah thinking, I'm in, like i I'm I've got a problem here. Um, and you need that fear of judgment because that's that's part of salvation experience is the fact that you deserve death. You deserve to spend forever away from God. I mean, you need that fear of judgment to kind of get you going on your understanding of God um, because it's coming, right? Wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Um, maybe Maybe you need that kind of Fear this morning um, if you're not there if you've, if you've already you know kind of accepted Christ and you're following Jesus um, I think the biggest thing is are you seeking glimpses of God's greatness are you looking for those opportunities to see God for who he really is and that comes like I said that comes through his word is a big thing the, the more I read God's word and I think about what's in here it's like this is amazing like this this he gave us this to help us understand who he is. He could have just left it. He could have just been like, you know, you don't need this. You just got to kind of figure it out from what you see and how I work, you know, around you. But the fact that he's shown so much in, this, in his word is amazing. Um, and so we, we see a lot of who he is through his word. And, and meditating and soaking in um, his word. Um, and not just kind of thinking... It's just words on a page, um, but immersing yourself in there and being like, and what what is, it? and figure out what that looks like for you. That may be three chapters, you know, really, it might be a verse, whatever that looks like for you, it's not the same for everybody, but it should be a regular part. Um, I think also seeking to figure out, since seeing glimpses of who God is requires us, um, like I read in Psalms, be still and know that I am God, like, Unplugging from our busy world, making sure we're doing that regularly um, to catch that glimpse of so God can reveal himself to us is really what it is. And because if we're too busy with the things of uh, the world and the day to day tasks around us, um, you're, you're going to miss some of those opportunities for God to reveal yourself. And then I, I also said, you know, using the gifts that he has given you to minister to others. You if you if there's not a coincidence that you hear a lot of people when they go on mission trips, whether it's you know to the Philippines or whether you're doing something here locally, like there's not a coincidence where they're like, you know, they they think they see that God is working in in the world around them. Well that's because they're choosing to step out and serve um, and do what God has asked them to do. Use the gifts that God has given them. And when you do that, you see God at work because he's working. It's just, are you choosing to open your eyes to it and get involved? Um, If you're just sitting at home and not being a part and serving and doing, you know, and it doesn't mean you have to do something, you know, specific like a job we have here in the church. I know there's lots of people, um, people in our church that they minister through the people that come through their doors in the business, or they build relationships with your neighbor. Those are ways of using the gifts that God has given you um, to serve him. But you start to see him at work. You start to get those glimpses of who God is because he's working around you, and he, your eyes are open to that. Um, and then when we get to that point, I think that's where that's like, you get a glimpse of God, and it's like, Wow. That was amazing. Like, and then you realize what God has done for you. And then the next time you hear Him say, "Go do that," it's like, "Sure, I'm, I'm ready." You know, when and where, and and He might not always give you those answers. But um, it made me think of something. If any of you remember Hugh Sheffield, um, that used to come to Bethesda before they moved. It was shortly after we moved here that I think they moved away. Um, but we were we were studying the Holy Spirit in the one of the morning Bible studies for the men, and he he says he likes to refer to it as holy hunches. you know it's almost like you know you may not hear God speak to you audibly and say, you know, who go speak to this person? Um, but it's like it's like a holy hunch, you know it's like the Holy Spirit saying, maybe you should do this, right and I think, if you have experienced God and what He and Him working in your life, I think you kind of understand um, what I'm talking about. But I th- so that's how I how God has been teaching me what the fear of God and how that's related to our obedience to His um, commands. So, like I said, if 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 you're here this morning and maybe maybe this morning you've got that glimpse of who God is um, for the first time, or maybe it, maybe it's taken a couple times. <laughs> Usually that's what it is. God gives you a glimpse of who he is and he sees how you're gonna respond. And maybe you've responded in the past by just making out a big deal of it. But you've got a glimpse of who God is this morning or you get a glimpse of who God is this week. Um, and then you remember what he's done for you. He provides a way of salvation. He provides a way for us to be made right with God and spend forever with him. Um, forever starting when you accept him and you receive that so are you going to respond like isaiah like and just say you know i'm so sinful i'm sinful god i can't do it um i I respond in that way in humility um and he provides salvation Um, when you see who he is and that you can't stand in his presence because of your sin and the wrong things you've done if you respond out of repentance and faith um he provides salvation for you. And if you wanna know more about that or what does that look like, um, talk to me or somebody sitting next to you that you know is a follower of Jesus. Um, but look for ways to see God. Look for God this week. Look to see glimpses of who he is um, and, and respond like Isaiah did, hopefully, this week. is Respond in humility and repentance, saying, God, sure, I'm ready to go because of what you've done for me me, and how great and how gracious you have been, how merciful you have been with me. Let's pray. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy.org or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.